0: Hey, good morning. You know, I think we forget that every Sunday is Easter Sunday. So because I love it so much, he is risen. Every Easter. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Every Sunday. Uh, So one day, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, uh, making the bed because I had washed the sheets because I do that in my house. That's right. And uh, I, I felt a pain in my foot. And so I was like, ouch, that hurt. And I just kind of kept going on about things. And I, and I went on for about another 20 minutes or so. And then I looked down at my foot and hanging out of my foot was a broken toothpick with blood streaming down my foot. I have a picture if you want to see it later because <laughs> I wanted to show my wife. I was like, look what happened to me. And so one of my kids apparently had played with the toothpick, forgot it. I stepped on it, you know, all that stuff. It was in the side of my foot too. It really hurt. And I've noticed in that, that sometimes we have pain in our life that we just ignore. And oftentimes it's physical pain, right? Like you work out and you you have a bulky knee, but you're like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing the thing that I do. Or you have, you wake up in the morning and you have a sore throat and you take a drink of water and you're like, oh no, that didn't go away. It begins, right? Like, I've got another week of this. Maybe you're going through allergies right now. You're like, I'm just going to play through the pain. And that's something that we respect and honor in our society, people that push through the pain, right? Think of all the athletes that get praised for playing uh, injured, right? Mental pain, mental health can frequently be that thing that we're like, I've always dealt with it. I've always struggled with this. I've always thought about this. I am just going to play through it. I'm going to work my way through it. And so what I want us to do today is we as a a community of churches, so it's not just us, uh, there are other churches in our neighborhood and and throughout Dallas that are selecting this day as a mental health Sunday. We're going to talk about mental health as we start our new series on real life, looking at the Psalms, which I can't think of a better place uh, to go when you're, you're troubled mentally than to go to the Psalms. It's a great place for that. And so each of our churches are taking a a Sunday to look at this. And we're looking at Psalm 42. And what I want us to do is I want us to talk about how uh, our spiritual life becomes an important part of maintaining right spiritual health. Now, I want to be clear about something. This is not going to be a if you pray enough, your problems will go away thing. Okay? This is a part. Your spiritual life is an important component to holistic mental health health, okay? I want that to be very, very clear. So like I said, we're in Psalm 42. I want us to see the problem, the solution, and then the hope that we have uh, in Christ. So let's look at the problem first. And the problem is alienation. It's alienation, verse 1 of chapter 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So, this is a song written by a group called the Sons of Korah. They were like the Beatles of the 10th century BC. And they're writing about a very vivid pain that they feel in their life. And their problem is that they cannot go to Jerusalem and worship. That's their issue. Now, in our day, under the new covenant, being in a certain specific place for worship isn't necessary. Jesus talks about this in John chapter four. He says, now uh, in the new covenant community, people will worship in spirit and in truth. And he's literally in the middle of a discussion with a woman about whether to worship on a mountain or whether to worship in Jerusalem. And he's like, actually, Jerusalem's the right place for now, but... That's going to get changed in a little bit. So this man cannot go to Jerusalem for some reason. He's under attack. There's a threat. He cannot go to Jerusalem to worship God. He can't offer the sacrifices he's supposed to offer, sacrifices for forgiveness, sacrifices for thanksgiving. Imagine feeling like you have committed some sin, convicted that you have done something to God and you can't go and make it right. Think about how weird that would feel, how uh, uh, just... Uh, disassociative that would feel. At the same time, he can't go celebrate. He can't go worship. Passover, can't go. Feast of of Booths, can't go. This man is alienated both from the presence of the Lord and the presence of other people who worship with him. Now, some of you might be like, man, that's awesome. I've been looking for an excuse not to go to church in a while. Maybe I could try that. That joke didn't land in the first service either. I don't know why I tried it again. But we don't learn, right? This poor man, for whatever reason, cannot go and spend time with the Lord or with other people. And look at the effect it's having on him. Verse one, as a deer pants for the flowing streams, he is starving for meaningful interaction with God. Now, I have never, somebody pointed out to me this week, I've never heard of a deer panting. And I was like, how bad has things gotten for this guy that he's now gone to like a deer for panting? Verse 3, he can't eat. He says his tears have been his food. Verse 4, he's stuck in the past. He's stuck in a happier time. He used to go and lead worship. He used to, to, to lead people in the singing of, of praises to God. He used to lead. And now he can't even, can't even be there. He can't even uh, be a congregant. How many of you thought back to maybe a church that you were a part of? Maybe you moved here. Maybe a spouse moved here and you came with them. And you miss your community. Like, I can't even fit in here. I don't even know what these people are like. Verse 4, he just misses people. This man isn't just sad. He's not just having a down day. And we do this sometimes. When people are struggling with mental illness, we're like, oh, they're just having a bad day. And you're like, oh, they've been having a bad day for like three years. This man is broken. His heart and his mind are crushed. And, y'all, this is what happens in mental health, and, and, and when you're struggling with mental health. And for me, I, I struggle with anxiety. I take medication for anxiety. I see a counselor for anxiety. For me, this is the hardest part it's the alienation. It's the alienation, both vertically and horizontally, that I feel. And I think that the psalmist is describing here. He's describing a vertical alienation with God and a horizontal alienation with other people. You feel other than people. You look at people who are normal and you begin to get jealous of them. When you reach out to God, when you cry out to God and you say, God, help me, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to sit here consumed with the thought that I have some life-threatening illness when I know for a fact I don't. I've had doctors tell me I don't, but I can't stop my legs from twitching. God, where are you? Help me. Help me. And there's silence. There's nothing. And what's more, notice notice he has enemies that mock him. In verse uh, 3, it says, where is God? What do you do when it's your own heart, your own mind that's like, God's not going to help you? You're not perfect. You're not righteous. He didn't love you. He's dissatisfied with you. What do you do when it's your own, when you're the enemy? There's this great uh, meme of a scene from Star Wars. Where Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, well, of course I know, Obi-Wan. I know Obi-Wan, he's me. And you're like, who's the person that's ruining your life? And he's like, well, of course I know him, he's me. That's exactly what it feels like. I'm the one ruining my life. On the other hand, you have people around you that don't seem to struggle at all. And for me, I find myself resenting those of you that have that. I'm working through it. But I want to know why I can't be normal. Why do I have to have the sleepless night? Why was I up twice last night in the middle of the night? Why am I irritable sometimes with people that I love for no good reason? What kind of person would I have been if I had been diagnosed sooner? Not to say I'm not happy with my life. I'm very happy with my life. But for those who are healthy and don't struggle, there's this sense of alienation. There's this distance. On the other hand, people that do have another struggle in mental health, it can become a game of comparison, right? I chime in, I'm like, hey, I struggle with anxiety. And somebody's like, well, I'm bipolar. And I was like, well, that's that's a more difficult struggle. And then somebody else comes in and is like, well, I struggle with multiple personality disorder. And one of my personalities has anxiety and the other one's bipolar, so I got you both beat. (laughs) I was real anxious about making that joke. My wife said it was okay. This is what the psalmist is communicating in verse four. He misses the connection with people. He misses going to festivals and holidays and celebrations. How many of you, and please don't raise your hand, but have canceled something because you're depressed or because you're anxious? How many of you have not been a full participant in a wedding or a graduation or even a funeral because of your mental health? How many of you have shied away from doing something challenging Because you just didn't think, "I, I can't do that. How many of you are watching online today because your social anxiety was so great, you're like, I just can't do church now? Psalm 42 is written for you. It's written to encourage you because you have a God who not only sympathizes but who knows what it's like, and we'll talk more about that soon. But if you haven't done this, if you don't struggle with this, sometimes you can say, oh, well, that's just... I'm just having a bad day, or I'm having a Monday, right? Or, oh, it's just a tough season. Y'all, again, if you notice patterns in your life where you're struggling, you have seasons where you, you can't get out of bed, or you have seasons where you're, you're, you're anxious or irritable for no reason, guys, might I suggest seeing somebody? If you kept having a pain in the same part of your body, you would go talk to somebody about it, I would hope. Why wouldn't you go talk to somebody in counseling? Why wouldn't you just go and see what it's like? Frankly, one of the best things I have in counseling, you know what I really love about it? Is I can talk to somebody without feeling judged. I can talk to somebody and just pour out and not worry about it getting spread all over the place. I don't have to worry about damaging anybody, hurting anybody. I can just be honest. It's very alleviating for me. Come talk to me. But one of the dangers, and the psalmist talks about this. Actually, doesn't talk about it. The absence of talking about it points it out to us. Look what the psalmist does to deal with his alienation. He goes back to God again and again and again. He's going back to God. What do we do? We do not let our uh, mental health struggles push us to the Lord because we live in a more affluent, we live in a more accessible society. So if I want to self-medicate, I got the whole buffet want to shop, I can do that. If I want to binge on Netflix or Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus or HBO Max, I can do that because I have all those subscriptions. I even forgot some. There are 162 baseball games every year, or as I like to call it, 162 doses of dopamine for me every year. Self-medicate through harder things, sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll. Just kidding. You can do those things. We don't let those struggles push us to the Lord because we don't, don't want to sit in them. We don't want to feel that discomfort. We don't want to think that something's wrong with us. But there is something very wrong with each of us because we live in a world that has been broken by sin and mental health is a consequence of sin. Now hear me on this. This is critical. You do not have mental health struggles because you sinned and messed up. Sin is a condition of every human being and it manifests itself in different ways. For some of us, the brokenness in the world has manifested itself in my life through anxiety along with a whole host of other things. Now, where personal sin gets involved is how I respond to that. So when I self-medicate, when I spend too much time on the computer, or when I get irritable and snappy, I alienate people around me. That is sin. That is me responding to my anxiety in a way that's broken and messed up. So what do we do? Are we just stuck in this cycle? No, 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 we're not. Because the psalmist keeps going. The solution is persistence. The solution is persistence. Look at verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. By the way, that's really far from Jerusalem. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with deadly wound in my bones my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? If you just stop at verse 5, you're like, okay, good, resolution. He's kind of t- looked himself in the mirror. He's been like, get it together, son of Korah. You're a son of Korah. Do this right. Right. You should trust in the Lord. And you're like, okay, cool. He's happy again. And then you get to verse 6, and he's, he's alienated again. Verse 7, the waves and the breakers going over him. He's overwhelmed by life circumstances. And what's more is he attributes it to God. He says, you're the one doing this to me. Then you go to verse 8. He bounces right back. He talks about the steadfast love of God. And this isn't like some warm fuzzy that God has for him. This is God's covenantal faithfulness. God has sworn by himself to love and honor the people of Israel. And so he's, he's, he's reflecting, he's like, no, God's agreed. It doesn't matter what I do. It's all based on grace and God's commitment to me. And then that's such a strong statement of faith that you get to verses 9 and 10, and he's back in the gutter again. God's forgotten him. The enemy's winning. Verse 10, it says, he has a deadly wound in his bones. You know what this means? He is literally saying, this is killing me. This roller coaster of emotion is going to be the death of me. I'm so tired of it. What are you supposed to make of this? What are we in the 21st century supposed to make of this thousands of year old song? This is what mental health is. This is the struggle. This is the battle of mental health. It is a full on roller coaster sometimes. There's no magic bullet. There's not one day you just wake up and be like, eh, I don't think I'm gonna be depressed anymore. It was cool for a while, but I'm out. I don't think I'm gonna be anxious. I'm just not gonna worry about it. It's good, it's fine. It's not what it's like. You have to have this roller coaster, this struggle. Some days you do wake up and you're like, oh man, I feel really good. And other days you don't. Even if you get on medication, it can take as long as three weeks for medication to start working. So you have to be persistent. You have to keep going. You have to go again and again. This is counseling. It's not just one session sometimes. Sometimes you go once and they're like, yeah, I think you're okay. Other times you're like, nope. You've got some, some things to deal with. Let's talk about it. There's no magic bullet. The solution to alienation is persistence. It's persistence. Faithfulness is the hallmark of a good relationship with the Lord. Faithfulness and persistence is the hallmark of a relationship with your spouse. There's nothing that we do and do well without persistence. The people that we have play instruments up here are incredibly gifted, and not one of them just picked up the thing and started playing normally. And if they did, I hate them. <laughs> they persisted, they, tried, they learned, they taught themselves. They rehearse, they practice. Why do we think that mental health is any different than any other thing we do, than any other form of healthy activity? Have you ever tried to give up something like for health reasons? Like I'm not gonna drink coffee anymore. I'm not gonna drink Diet Coke anymore. I knew a guy that did that. It was me. It's really hard. This is what it is. It's one or two steps forward. Sometimes it's a step back. Persistence is what the psalmist is doing here. He is trusting the Lord, and he's struggling forward. And what's amazing about what he does is he doesn't judge himself. And nowhere in here he's like, "You're, you're such a loser. God is so frustrated with you. No. He just keeps trusting the Lord and keep going. It's an advancement. The overall progress is advancing. If you've never walked through this, you don't know what it's like. Like I said, you can't just decide to feel better. And so I want to speak to two different kinds of people here. One is the person who's going through mental health crises and, and you have people in your life that are like, well, can't you just like fix this? I want you to know that comes from a place of love. The person that says that is worried about you and they're anxious for you. And that's why they say that they're like, I don't want to be anxious for this. So I want you to fix yourself. For the person that says that, again, it's, it's not like that. You just, you just can't. Switch it on or off. I don't think no, probably a very small group of people that want to be depressed or want to be anxious, right? Specifically to parents, if you've got kids, teens, preteens, elementary school age that are showing signs of mental illness, it can be really easy to be like, oh, they just need to change basketball teams or, oh, they just need a different school or, oh, we just need to spend more time together. And maybe there's some, some things that you can do in there that are helpful. But y'all, if your child complained every day of a back injury, back, my back hurt so, it hurts so bad, hopefully you wouldn't say something like, well, they just need a new school and their back will fix itself. That's ludicrous. It can be difficult. And again, as a parent, I have two daughters. The thought that anything might be wrong with them scares me to death. It's not because I'm worried about dealing with it. I just want them to be happy. I want them to be whole. I want them, I want them to run without the limp that I have. But you can't be afraid to face it. So take your child. If you have a grandchild, be like, hey, this guy at church said this, and, and I don't know, I don't want to tell you how to parent. I know that's a fine line, but it just occurred to me maybe it's worth taking them so they can talk to somebody. Maybe it's something else completely. Stop trying to diagnose them yourself, take them to see a counselor. So again, if we're going to persist, we need to do practical things. We need practical things we can do. And that's why we have uh, this magnet. You'll, you maybe have picked it up on the way in, but most likely you'll get it on the way out. This is something that can go on your fridge. Uh, by the way, does anybody else have a fridge like mine where no longer the doors are magnetized? What's that about? Where am I supposed to hide hang, hang my kids' work? I've got like a whole side now that's just like kids' artwork. Come on, LG, get it together. Jeez. But there's six practical things that we can do. One, we want to normalize our talk about the struggles, right? It is a normal thing to struggle with problems. Even if you don't have a mental illness, even if you're not struggling with depression or anxiety, you can have a season where you're just worried about stuff, or you're just sad, or you're grieving. Normalize that conversation. The nice thing is we, live, we come from the Park Cities and Lake Highlands and Preston Hollow, and we don't ever put on a face in front of other people and pretend like not anything's wrong. So we don't have to worry about this. But there's other people that do. Have to normalize their. That was a joke. We very much, some of you are like, I've never, I don't know what I was gonna say there. We also need to practice active listening. Practice active listening and value honest conversations. How many of you at some point have told a friend, man, I'm really struggling? And they're like, dude, that stinks. Guess who I ran into the other day? I was sitting on a couch at Nebraska Furniture Mart and it was next to a Next to a Dallas Cowboys player, it was awesome. And you're like, wait, what? I was just sharing something with you. Why didn't you why didn't you respond? Now, if that was you, it's okay uh, at some point. Somebody actually shared that story with me the other morning. I, they weren't ignoring me, it was just a part of the story. But if that was you and you're somebody that that maybe thinks you missed a cue and you're like, man, I totally dodged that person. You know what you can do? It's a really neat thing. It's two words. I'm sorry. And you go back to the person and say, like, I think you were telling me something, and I was just not equipped to handle it at the time. Can we, can we circle back and have that conversation? Thirdly, thirdly, we need to combat negativity with gratitude. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, Travis, what do you have to be anxious about? Look at you. Like, you live in a very safe place, safe neighborhood, safe, you have two healthy children, your wife's amazing, like, what do you have to worry about? You great parents, like, you have a great job, you have a great church. Like everything's up and to the right. What do I have to be anxious about? I don't live in a country where, like, you go to church and you can hear bombs falling miles away. What do you have to be anxious about? And it's important for us to combat anxieties and, and mental health struggles with gratitude. It's not enough just to be like, well, what do you have to worry about? No, no, no. Be like, praise God. I, I, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and I got this. Not everything is a disaster. Lord is still holding me up. In 2015, as I was going through the, the worst of my anxiety struggles, this place was incredible. There were days I couldn't do my job. And you all stayed with me. I sat in that room over there, it used to be the green room, now it's kind of our technical production room, and I was having a full-on panic attack before I preached. And you guys were incredible. Gratitude. Next, we need to share the best and worst parts of your day with each other. How many of you have a sibling, again, don't raise your hand because you might be sitting with them, how many of you have a sibling that it seems like everything is up and to the right with them? Like nothing's ever wrong, they're the good one, they're the perfect one. It could help for your family to start talking about what was a good thing that happened today and what's a bad thing that happened today? High and low, high and low. Because you know what? It might be important for people in your family to know that you're not perfect. And it might be important for your family to know so that they can help you. We need to craft intentional, unplugged time together without screens. Y'all, I love screens. This is really hard for me. This is an escape for me. So I would encourage you, We've got to find time to unplug. We've got to find time to not be on the screen. Don't send your kid uh, to screen purgatory just because you need some time. Uh, you know, just, just be judicious about that. Social media, the comparison that takes place, the anxiety that comes, the inability to escape from places that cause anxiety like school because you're still connected with friends, uh, is, is, it's just killing our children. And you might say, well, Travis, how old should they be? I, I got a suggestion just a guideline on how old you should be. For your, let your kids on social media. I think 75, 80 years old is a great time to get on social media. You're too old to care, and you're likely too old to understand how to use it anyway. So just wait till then, and you can post all the crazy stuff out there you want. Lastly, commit to holistic wellness. Walk, journal, pray, sleep, go to bed. Go to bed. That's one I need. Every counselor will tell you symptoms of anxiety and, and, and depression and, and can be mitigated by doing good things. Being in the Word. This is why we're doing the dwell readings, reading each day, right? This is why we're doing those things. Because we want you to be in the Word and having a regular rhythm and discipline, eating right, being healthy. Those are important things to do and good normal things to do. So, Travis, what's the goal? I'm going to wrap up with this. What's the goal? What are we shooting for with mental health? Go again to verse 11. Verse 11. Of chapter 42, it's a refrain. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. These are the exact same words as verse five, exact same ones. This is a refrain of the psalm. And you see the persistence, the faithfulness of the psalmist. If God's not gonna answer me, I'm just gonna keep going to him. I'm gonna go again and again and again, because one day God's gonna answer me. One day my salvation will show up. And you might say, well, Travis, where's the hope in this? Where's the salvation in this? How do we know? Because in verse five, when he said the exact same thing, he tailspinned for like the next four verses. How do we know he's just not gonna do it again? How do we know? Where's the salvation? Well, here's what I wanna do. Because the psalmist that wrote this had an incomplete picture of the story of salvation. And if we relate this psalm just to ourselves, you will have an incomplete picture as well. So what I wanna do, I wanna ask uh, Bethany Flippin to come out here and she's gonna read the psalm again. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer a commentary. And we're going to tie this psalm to the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection and the life of Jesus. It's, it's a song, a soundtrack to Jesus' life and death. So, Bethany, go ahead.
1: As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God.
0: Jesus cries out in John 19, 38 from the cross, I thirst.
1: When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night.
0: The night before Jesus' crucifixion, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's weeping.
1: While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God?
0: People walk by Jesus as he's on the cross and they mock him. They say, If you're so great, if you're Elijah, if you're prophet, pull yourself down from there, save yourself.
1: These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with a throng? And lead them in procession of the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival.
0: Just days before, on what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, Jesus led a whole group of people celebrating and worshiping into the city of Jerusalem, singing praises for him.
1: Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me.
0: Just before he washed uh, the disciples' feet, Jesus tells them his soul is greatly troubled.
1: Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep. At the roars of your waterfalls, all the breakers and your waves have gone over me.
0: The wrath of God that we deserve because of our brokenness and sin is poured out in waves on Jesus. Wave after wave after wave of wrath and condemnation on him so that we don't have to bear it.
1: By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life.
0: Numerous times the Father speaks over the Son, this is my Son whom I love, listen to him.
1: I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me?
0: Jesus cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
1: Why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy?
0: The oppression that he feels isn't just the oppression of the cross and the whips. The oppression that he feels is the alienation that he experiences from God.
1: As with a deadly wound in my bones,
0: Jesus is being killed.
1: My adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God.
0: Thank you. You know why the psalmist writes this? He believes it. And he's inspired by the Spirit, but he believes it. He believes that God will rescue him. And you know what? Jesus says this too. This is a song of Jesus. This is a song that Jesus is allowed to speak. He's allowed to sing verses 5 and 11 because he's the righteous one, he's the one that deserves salvation. If anybody deserves to be pulled off of a cross and rescued in the moment, it's Jesus. But it doesn't happen. He's not supposed to die, but he does. And you know why he does it? Because he doesn't want verses 5 and 11 to just apply to him alone. He wants you to be able to sing it too. All the wrath, all the pain, all the suffering gets poured out on Christ so that we can join him in singing verses 5 and 11. He does this so that you, whether you're depressed, anxious, schizophrenic, phobic, anorexic, whatever, doesn't matter. He wants you to be able to sing out in hope. I will hope again in my God, for he will be my salvation. I will have healing, the hope of healing. That's what our hope is a hope that one day we will run without a limp. We will, we will. Uh, be free to, to think without having second thoughts and invasive thoughts. Free to feel without these mass weights of guilt and shame that accompany us. The most beautiful thing is this promise that's made by Jesus, by him being raised from the dead. It's a promise to us that verses five and 11 can be our song too. Verse chapter 42, Psalm 42 can be our song, but it can only be your song if you first attribute it to Christ. It has to be Jesus's song before it can be yours. If you just read Psalm 42 and you think, oh, that's about me. I'm going to tie it to my life. You've missed the point. It's not your song. But if you give it to Christ, if you say, this is about Jesus, then it becomes your song too. You can trust him because he dies for you so that you can be healed. One day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth where you will not have to dwell with those things anymore. You can dwell with the one who's forgiven you and rescued you from it. And we won't sing Psalm 42 anymore. Maybe we will. But it won't be the same. It won't be a song of pain. It won't be a song of present. It will be a song of past where we look back and we say, oh my God, look what you've wrestled us from. Look what you've delivered us from. But until that day, we join our song with Christ and then more import, most importantly, maybe not more importantly, but equally important is to join our song with other people, to look around us and see the people who are hurting. There are people all around us. And you may be sitting at home, like I said, you're like, I couldn't do it today. Or you may be sitting in the audience and be like, I barely did it today. And next week's Questionable. Let us believe for you. If your faith is so weak, just come here and let the community of faith believe for you. If you're struggling, you need to get help, you need to talk to somebody. I am very happy to talk to people. Guess what? People always say to me when they're like, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. I know you're busy. Yo, like, I would so much rather talk to you than do other things that I have to do. I can get out of meetings sometimes if I can talk to you. And that's that's a blessing. Y'all, some of you in here are contemplating a final solution to your problem. You're like, oh, Travis, the hope is healing, and healing comes after I die. That's not what I'm saying at all. That is not the answer. That is a temporary problem, or sorry, a permanent permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you are thinking that way, please talk to somebody. If you're even starting to despair a little bit, you're losing hope, that's the time to talk to somebody. Because the problem that we have is that we are alienated from each other and from the Lord. And I know that makes it where it's hard to talk to people. It's hard to talk to the Lord. I get it. But you must persist. You must keep going. And the place that you will find the power to persist is by looking at the cross of Christ and saying, he died so that I might live, that I might have life and have it to the full. And that's not a promise for after you die and you have eternal life. That is a promise for today. So persist in chasing after him. And he will bring some level of healing, some measure of healing in your life today, tomorrow, and then eternally. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the healing that you've offered by the cross. By your wounds, we are healed. By your stripes, we've been made whole. And Lord, right now, that's a promise. But it's a promise with a guarantee. So God, I pray that we would hold out and hope to you. I pray that we would trust you. I pray that we would persist. And Lord God, I pray that you would answer those who call to you. Don't make them wait long. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray.